Thanks for listening to Planet Money. If you're looking for more shows to listen to, there are lots of other NPR podcasts, including Pop Culture Happy Hour. On Pop Culture Happy Hour, you can hear lively conversations about movies, books, and television. You can find it on iTunes under Podcasts. Last week on the show, we did a story about how the internet works. You might remember Rachel. Hi, um, my name is Rachel Margolis. I'm in Brooklyn in my apartment, and we're about to watch House of Cards. What's going on? Still no idea. Netflix has a lot of choices about how it sends House of Cards over the internet to Rachel. It can choose where to store the show, which companies to pay to send the show over the internet. But when Rachel goes to sign up for the internet, she does not have many choices. Rachel, like most people in this country, has only one or two options. Maybe only one good one. The cable that comes out of her wall. Time Warner cable. And what do you think about Time Warner? I mean, they're my only option, so... I think that's what I think about it. (laughs) People love to complain about their internet service, and pretty much everybody does complain about it. Obviously, everyone has problems with time work people after a while. But the thing that seems to make people the craziest is generally they can't switch. No matter how slow, no matter how bad the customer service, no matter how mad they get, there is not much competition. If you want to switch... If you want to get good, fast internet from another company, you have to move to a different house or a different city. Or even a different country. Hello. Hello. This is Joanne Lawson, civil servant, sitting in her flat in London, England. And in England, or for that matter, lots of other countries, people can choose among lots of different internet companies. When we were talking to Joanne, she went to this website that listed all the companies that would sell her internet service. So one company... So why Um, does Joanne in London have so many more choices than Rachel in Brooklyn? Five company. Why is it that Rachel has one or two options for Internet and Joanne has seven? I found another one even further down. (laughs) So eight. Ouch. (laughs) Can we get much higher? Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm Jacob Goldstein. I'm Zoe Chase. Today on the show, why isn't our Internet better or cheaper? Where's my internet jetpack? So, how did we get here? How did the internet in the US get to be the way it is today? This is not a mystery. We actually know the exact day that we chose to go down this path March 14th, 2002. And around that time, back in the early 2000s, there was still this really basic question in everybody's mind. What is the Internet? Did you really sit around and say, like, what is this? Is this a phone? Is this a letter? Like, <laughs> I have to tell you, we did exactly that. This is Michael Powell. Today, he's the head of the cable industry trade group in Washington, D.C. That speaks for the Time Warner cables and the Comcast of the world. Back in the early 2000s, he was the head of the FCC which is the government agency that regulates phone lines and TV and, yes, the Internet in this country. I I can remember fondly we had this big round table um, and we all sat around it. Uh, And when we first saw the Internet, if we can all remember, um, it started out by making a phone call. You would listen to your modem dial these sort of painfully inane tones across the telephone line. You'd connect to uh, an Internet service provider 
uh, and all of a sudden you'd hear a bunch of squelching and you were online. Um, but but when I took over, what had started to happen was um, the arrival of broadband. Broadband is basically fast internet that's always on. And in the U.S., most people get broadband over cable. The same cable that brings your Comedy Central, your CNN, also brings you your internet. Powell saw this looming decision coming back in the early 2000s that was his to make, his commission. What is the internet? Is it like a phone? Because the phone we get, the phone lines we know well, the phones we know just how to regulate. Or is it something else? Is it not a phone? And this sounds like some irrelevant, ridiculous, existential bureaucratic question. But it was a big deal at the time. Companies like America Online and Earthlink, they were selling slow internet service over phone lines. They see this beautiful, fast, always-on internet people are getting over cable, and they want in. They want to sell internet service over that cable. So this was the big decision that Powell was facing. Should the cable companies have to rent out their cable lines to anyone who wants to provide the internet? Or should the cable companies get to keep their cable lines to themselves? The rules for phone lines were clear. Most people had one phone line going into their house, but the company that owned that line had to rent it out to any long-distance company that wanted to provide service. So people could choose, you know, they had one phone line, but they could choose MCI or Sprint or AT&T. If Powell and his colleagues at the FCC decided that the Internet was essentially a phone, then our Internet would be like that, too. Time Warner Cable, the company that owns the cable going into Rachel's apartment in Brooklyn, they would have to rent out that cable to anyone who wanted to be Rachel's Internet service provider. There could be lots of companies competing for her business instead of just the one. So Powell, he's surfing the Internet. Is this a phone? Is this not a phone? Is phone, not phone? What is this thing? And it just kept saying to us, this is not a telephone. This is not a telephone system. This is not a phone. <laughs> this is not a phone. This Alta Vista search that I just did. <laughs> it's just Alta Vista search I just did. A Lyco search. Uh, it's not a phone. And so, March 2002, Michael Powell and his colleagues at the FCC made their decision. You may know it as Declaratory Ruling and Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, FCC 02-77, but we can just call it FCC says the Internet is not a phone. This decision meant the cable companies did not have to let companies like AOL and Earthlink sell Internet service over the cable. It means that today, if Rachel in Brooklyn wants cable Internet, she's got to buy it from the guy who put the cable there, Time Warner. There are two ways of thinking about this decision the FCC made. One is, obviously, it gave people like Rachel fewer options. It means there is less competition. But Michael Powell and his colleagues at the FCC didn't see it that way. They did not want lots of companies competing over the same old pipe. They wanted companies to build new pipes, better, faster pipes. And by saying that companies don't have to share their pipes, the FCC was creating a, a prize, a bounty for any company that built new, better pipes. Shane Greenstein, an economist who's an expert in telecommunications and the Internet, says there really was a lot of optimism, truly, back when the FCC made this decision, that there were going to be all these new, amazing, special ways to get the Internet into people's houses. Over the telephone line, over the cable line, over your electrical line, over the air, uh, over wireless, you'd have uh, wireless. There were multiple ways to do it over wireless. Um, those were the principal ones. And then maybe even over a satellite dish was uh, uh, another thing that was being discussed. 
And so the dream was that's the way you would have competition, right? Not by forcing one old pipe to deregulate, but by creating this world where there would be lots of innovation and new pipes. Yep, that's it. That was the dream. That's not what it is. What happened? No, it isn't what it is, as it's turned out. Twelve years after the FCC made its big decision, the Internet, it is not a phone. Where are we? That dream, it is not here. Most people in this country have two choices for broadband internet, a cable or a phone line. And the phone line is what Netflix calls a second-class experience. It is generally not nearly as fast as the cable experience. So why didn't the dream come true? Why do we only have these two choices? Where's my internet jetpack? A few things happened. Some of the technologies just didn't pan out. For others, there just weren't enough people who wanted to pay for them. Verizon started building this network of super fast fiber optic cable, Fios. But Greenstein says that was not as popular as they thought it would be. And now Google is building its own fiber optic networks, but that's just in select cities. Now, it's possible there's still time. Companies are still working on wireless broadband that you can use at home. Maybe in a couple of years, we'll have this amazing new pipe through the air. A pipe that's not a pipe. Or maybe not. I mean, it's been 12 years. Maybe we just made a bad bet. Maybe we should stop waiting for the next great pipe and change the rules for the pipes that we have. Say, actually, the Internet is going to function in this case like a phone. Cable companies, you have to share your pipes. And in fact, that world does exist. Hello, this is Edinburgh. Hello, Scotland. Hello there. Do you hear me okay? Yeah, this is New York. There's a guy in Edinburgh who forced the U.K. down a path where you have to share your pipes, the path that we did not take here in the U.S. My name is Peter Black. I uh, have in my uh, history everything you can imagine in telecommunications and computing from the day it started. Peter Black used to put in telephone poles next to railroad tracks. He worked for BT, British Telecom, the AT&T of England. Now, 10 years ago, when Michael Powell was sitting at that round table wondering what the Internet was, it wasn't as though the U.K. was some kind of high-tech paradise with millions of Internet companies running around changing the world. People complained about their Internet service, said it was slow, and complained particularly about the company who was providing the Internet. That would be British Telecom, an old stodgy phone company that everyone called BT. BT was supposed to be renting out its pipes to any company who wanted to provide the Internet. But they were doing a pretty bad job. I used to present this as they gave the whole job to one man and a dog sitting in a cell somewhere in some basement of BT so that nobody could get anything done. In 2004, the British government hired Peter Black. His job, make BT start renting out its lines to other Internet service providers. Here's what he does. My big breakthrough that I come to was a big piece of embarrassment. Peter Black figured, I will shame BT into letting competitors use its lines. He kept these detailed records of how BT was screwing up for the first six months in his new job as adjudicator of all the times when they were supposed to open a new line for a competitor and they did not do it. And what he did was he published all his research on this website, basically saying, hey, United Kingdom, here is how your one Internet company, BT, is doing at getting you the Internet. And on the sixth month, we put the format up on the website, published all the numbers, 
and the UK press were really good. We managed to wind the press up and they all came in in a big way. And there was a famous photograph in one, uh, one of, I think it was Independent or The Guardian, of uh, Ben Vervain, who was the chief executive at the time, behind some jailhouse bars saying the adjudicator is going to lock you up. <laughs> and I, I was the adjudicator. <laughs> and Ben was so embarrassed by that, he put a whole lot of new people on the project. After the shaming, Black says, things got much better in the UK. BT got better about renting out its lines, and lots of companies started jumping in to offer internet service. Remember Joanne with all those options in her London flat? Virgin Media, Plusnet, that's the one I'm with. EE, BT, TalkTalk, Sky, Primus, and John Lewis Broadband. And John Lewis, is that just some guy who wants to sell your broadband? Oh, no, 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 no. John Lewis is our premier department store. It would tell you a washing machine or a bed or clothes or also the internet. It's as if Macy's were offering broadband internet. That was Peter Black's dream. The UK went from 14,000 unbundled lines to millions in just a few years. When they hit the first million, that's when they realized, hey, this is working. Even the chief executive of British Telecom, the guy who had been dragging his feet, even he got into it. We always had this target on our graphs of a million lines unbundled. And uh, when we got to that, the, uh, the chief exec rang me up and said, right, we're going to throw you a party. Well, you know, and they just told us where to go. We turned up and there was, uh, ladies and gentlemen, ice skaters skating around inside this building. So it was interesting. <laughs> Were they dressed up as DSL lines? What were the, what were the ice uh, they, they were, Absolutely. They were simulating DSL lines because they had long ribbons that no. they were flowing behind them. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I have to say I had nothing to do with it. Was it a good party? It was a great party. There was lots of champagne and other things. All right. So the UK bet right at this moment today, 2014, it does look like it's worked out really well. I actually called up Netflix, which is, at the moment, the most popular use of broadband in North America right now. And they also have lots of subscribers in the UK. I asked the guy that's in charge of streaming video for Netflix, Greg Peters, is it better to watch Netflix in the U.S. or in the U.K.? Consumers in the U.K. have better Netflix experiences in general than consumers in the U.S. And so that highly competitive environment, the high-choice environment, is what leads to this um, you know, great consumer experience at pretty low consumer cost. There are people today in the U.S. who say we should do what the U.K. did. It's not too late. We should find our own Peter Black and make the cable companies share their lines. But even if you think that's a good idea, it seems unlikely, at least for now. The cable companies have a lot of money, a lot of political clout, and they'll argue, hey, FCC, you made your choice back in 2002. We went out and spent all this money upgrading our pipes. You can't change your mind now. And so in the U.S., lots of people are still waiting for those great new Internet pipes. For now, if I have to choose between buying Internet in London or in New York, it's an easy call. I'll pick the place where it's cheaper and I have more choices. I'll go to London.
As always, you can let us know what you thought of the show today. You could send us an email, planetmoney at npr.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you're looking for more to listen to, there are lots of other NPR podcasts out there, including Pop Culture Happy Hour. It has discussions of things like movies, books, TV. I'm Zoe Chase. And I'm Jacob Goldstein. Thanks for listening. <laughs>